0: you Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converged Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Charles Hammerker, here with you. Uh, We're in the month of September. Play the song, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, Our teams continue to roll on. The Seahawks regular season is on the cusp. The Mariners continue into the month of September. A big month of September for them as they not only look to clinch a playoff spot, but also a divisional uh, title as well as within reach. So they still got a lot of work to do on that front. Uh, The storm season wraps up next week, which is crazy. We'll have a ton of stuff Uh, once the season ends on that, obviously looking at what Jewel Lloyd decides uh, with her impending free agency. The Sounders continue their season uh, looking to lock up a playoff spot, uh, which is going to be a mess. We'll we'll get into that. The Kraken made a couple of depth signings, uh, and the rain season continues on. They're in the same boat as the Sounders. They're looking to get their own playoff spot. Uh, as they continue on in the Challenge Cup playoffs as well. So, we will start where we always do with our Seattle Seahawks with two pieces of injury related news um, as we wrapped up the preseason. And we've got the 53-man roster, which we'll get to in a second, but some injury notes. Pete Carroll said that safety Jamal Adams will not play in Week 1. Uh, he's not quite ready for that yet. He is in practice with the team, but he is not ready for Week 1. Uh, and cornerback Devin Witherspoon is also unlikely for Week 1. I didn't get too much clarity further on that. But two parts of the secondary that should be big for the Seahawks throughout this 2023-2024 uh, season, Jamal Adams and Devon with- Devon. Uh, the fifth overall pick in this year's draft fun witherspoon not going to play uh, at least witherspoon not likely um in week one we get into the 53 man roster that was the big announcement of this past week we talked about it uh last episode about the cuts and who's going to make it no real surprises here uh with the seahawks 53 man roster um we've got the tr- the practice squad um Oh, and some other roster moves after uh, the roster was announced. So we'll go through it uh, position group by position group here. Obviously, the two quarterbacks uh, that are currently on the roster, the fifth men roster, are Geno Smith and Drew Locke. No real surprises there. Again, I know I want to reference that quote from Geno Smith earlier in the offseason when he talked about um, how he kind of felt bad for Drew Locke because he feels that Drew Lock is a starting caliber quarterback, and instead he's sitting here on the bench in Seattle. Uh, but I, maybe that says something about Drew Lock wanting to continue to get better and work alongside Geno Smith and be involved with the Seahawks team. So at the running back position, uh, again, no real surprises necessarily here. Kenneth Walker III, Zach Charbonnet, DJ Dallas, and Kenny McIntosh. Now, I won't necessarily say that these are for certain the depth chart, uh, for the CX, obviously, Geno Smith's going to start, uh, but especially when we get to running back, DJ Dallas could be as the two over Charbonnet, potentially. Um, I mean, the current layout makes sense, um, but especially when we get to wide receiver here, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Derrick Young, Cody Thompson, and Jake Bobo. Obviously, no surprise that Bobo made the roster. Um who the the one is over DK and Tyler? I don't think either of those guys care. It's more about where they're gonna line up as the X and the Y receivers. Um, so I don't take for word. This is just how the Seahawks had these things listed. Um, tight ends, again, no real surprises, no offense. Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson, that group, one of the higher paid uh, in all of football. Um offensive line group. I was happy to see Olo, Olo with Timmy on the top of this group. Phil Haynes, Evan Brown, Damian Lewis, Anthony Bradford, Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, Jake Curran, and Stone Forsyth. No real surprises. Again, there's not going to be much of any surprise here with the 53-man roster for the Seahawks. There's a lot of guys. The Seahawks liked their group. Um, And even with guys who didn't make the initial 53 man Seattle's entire practice squad before these roster moves that we get to here were made up entirely of players that they had on the preseason roster. So they really liked the group that they had and they wanted to keep that together. Uh, Defensive line, Draymond Jones, Mike Morris, Miles Adams, Miles Edwards, mario edwards jr i apologize that's not miles edwards um jaron reed and cameron young uh, all of the seahawks draft picks made the roster as well which is interesting to note that's not something that really happens that common um linebacker group this linebacker group's exciting devin bush uchenna nwosu nick ballore daryl taylor boye Mafe. Bobby Wagner, it's great to see him on that list. Uh Jordan Brooks, Derek Hall, John Radigan, and Tyreek Smith. Tyreek Smith, notably, uh, one of those big players to watch against the Cowboys in the preseason earlier there. Uh, cornerback-wise, Kobe Bryant, Devin Witherspoon. Again, Witherspoon likely not playing in week one. Uh, Trey Brown, who made a name for himself in the preseason, really inserting himself into a pretty stacked safe, uh, not safety, uh, defensive back room that's gonna haven't when i talk about the um when i talk about the sort of log jam uh in depth chart this is where it's going to get interesting as well you got brian witherspoon brown Artie burns was listed here but i don't think he was on the 53 man because he was on the practice squad instead uh Tariq woolen mike jackson safeties quandre digs julian love julian love is someone that i don't think got talked about enough um, in the offseason, I think his addition will be big for Seattle. Jarek Reed, the second one of the later draft picks that the Seahawks made, made the roster. Jamal Adams, of course, and then the specialists, Michael Dixon, uh, Jason Myers, and uh, long snapper Chris Stoll will take over that mantle. We get over to the practice squad here. Um, Quarterback Holton Ollers was on this uh, again. We've got some roster moves to look at here. Outside linebacker, Levi Bell, cornerback Lance Boykin, Artie Burns was listed here. Tackle, Greg Island, nose tackle, Matthew Godel, uh, center, Joey Hunt, wide receiver, Kate Johnson, running back, Bryant Kobach, wide receiver, Matt Landers, tight end, Taylor Mabry, linebacker, Patrick O'Connell, safety tie, Okada, running back, Sarah thompson and then wide receiver esop jr a couple of guys ju uh, Winst, uh Aesop winston jr pardon me uh winston bell uh k johnson all guys that i thought would be interesting to see if they made the roster and they make the 53 man and then of course i get to these roster moves i'm talking about on the 30th uh after the initial cut day these ones were interesting uh the seahawks claimed two people off of waivers Cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly and linebacker Drake Thomas. Uh, These are guys that the Raiders for Thomas and the Ravens for Blue Kelly wanted to keep. They hoped that they made rosters as said by head coaches uh, Harbaugh and McDaniels. They both were hoping that these guys would clear rosters, uh, clear waivers, and they didn't. The Seahawks snapped them up. Uh, Carol said that he liked the intangibles of blue Kelly. Uh, so these are interesting, interesting notes here to see guys like that. Uh, they were claimed off waivers, the roster moves that were made on the 31st, the team signed John Radigan and offensive guard, Ben Brown, in addition to cornerback Robert Rochelle releasing, uh, Allers and Greg Island off of the practice squad. So interesting there. They only had the Seahawks have two quarterbacks on, uh, the entirety of the roster. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, changes made to add another quarterback Uh, but it seems like right now they're fine with two usually the uh, teams will have a third quarterback at some point Uh, but the Seahawks do not as of this current moment so uh, we finally have a regular season game to look ahead to obviously nothing going on uh, this past weekend in terms of Seahawks football Uh, But we do have a game to look forward to. Finally, the season will begin week one, September 10th, versus the L.A. Rams here at home at Lumen Field with a 1.25 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, It's a big one here. The Rams don't currently know um, for certain if they'll have Cooper Cup for this game. Cooper Cup's been dealing uh, with an injury. I believe he had a setback in this injury, um, and that's a big big loss i mean cooper cup has burned the seahawks a few times um dealt with some things this past year after having a big big year in their super bowl winning season so it'll be really interesting to see if the rams are able to have cup available for this game because again this is big for that rams offense a rams roster that uh has had a lot of turnover the last two seasons so looking for the Seahawks to start out positive with a win uh, against a division rival, uh, kicking off from the NFC West matchup. And we all know how the Rams have been competitive wise against the Seahawks for, for years now, even back to the Jeff Fisher era. So that'll be a big one. And the season begins. So exciting for that. And good luck to all of you on your fantasy football seasons. We move over to our Seattle Mariners and the broom is sitting next to me. But we don't have any sweeps to report, unfortunately. Um, the Mariners finished out that little six-game homestand hosting the Royals and the Athletics and then started a 10-game road trip that kicks off the month of September. It's a big road trip against some uh, some quality opponents despite how records look. So we'll get in here first to the Athletics series. Uh, August 28th versus the Athletics was a 7 to nothing win as we go to our photo of the game here by Sage Zepetto. Um, big one here. Uh, the Mariners pitching staff obviously a shutout great to have. I believe it was a 19th shutout on the season. Uh, for the Mariners, excuse me, our player of the game, center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, four hits, three runs, and three RBIs on the day. At that point in time, uh, Julio, I believe, had 28 hits over the past 10 games, which is just kind of ridiculous to even think about. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, just kind of the run that he's been on. Uh, we continue here. August 29th was a very bizarre day. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. We'll go to our photo of the game here uh, by Brian Saldana. The Mariners would lose this one, one to three. Our play of the game shortstop, J.P. Crawford, one hit and two walks. So I know this was – we typically keep this for the injury news segment of the show, um, but something to note here. Uh, this was a really odd game. Uh, just like an, an hour or so before first pitch, it was announced that George Kirby would miss his start uh, due to an illness. He didn't feel good the night before, and the Mariners decided to hey, we're just going to skip the start. Luke Weaver, uh, one of the long relief well, the only long reliever for the Mariners here would get the spot start. Uh, hung a couple balls, unfortunately, and the Athletics would take advantage. Um, Julio missed this game just minutes before the game because uh, and it was his name got announced on Mariners vision in the starting lineup. And then we found out uh, just a little bit after that in the press box, um, that Julio was not able to go with left foot soreness. He had a nerve issue in that left foot. He would end up missing this game and the next game after that, but he is back. He is in the lineup. Uh, And then Ty France left this game against the athletics with a left wrist contusion. Uh, Luke Weaver tried to throw a pickoff attempt at him. It bounced and ended up hitting Ty in that left wrist. And Ty has had issues with his wrist before. So this was a little bit scary, Um, but he would leave that game uh we do have another injury update on tie but that's for later but yeah it was the 29th was very very bizarre and we all kind of felt how dom kenzone looks in this photo the mariners would bounce back to win the series beating the athletics five to four in the getaway game the next day our player of the game right fielder teoscar hernandez teo one hit one run and three rbis including a three-run homer uh, in the first half of that game that would tie it up at three um And then the Mariners, yeah, were able to go ahead and win that game. Take the series over the athletics. Uh, Athletics have some talent. I'm not saying a ton, but they do have some talent on that roster. So we go from that. The Mariners, they have the getaway game. They fly to New York. They have the day off on Thursday in New York, uh, which was fun to see. Uh, um, It was Taylor Sasedo, Justin Topa, and Gabe Spire all members of Los Bomberos, uh went to a New York fire department uh, station and took photos in some uh, fire firefighter gear, which was fun to see. Um, we go over here to, to the Mets series. This one, not a series win. It's the first time that the Mariners haven't gotten a series win since I believe mid August. I'll get the exact numbers here for you. Um, just not. I know. I know I looked at this series and you say, Hey, they should be able to win this series. The Mets have, struggled for the large part of this season Um, but obviously you know each team is going to do their own thing the Mets didn't make a couple call-ups for some of their younger players uh, some of their prospects and they were up for the series in this one September 1st at the Mets a 1-2 to loss this one on Friday on Apple TV plus the Mariners unable to do enough on offense I mean uh, Logan Gilbert was strong only allowed the one run Andres Munoz did allow a run and people like oh this is on Munoz your offense can't put up one run. That's just simply ridiculous. You can't really expect that to be plausible. Uh, our player of the game, shortstop JP Crawford. JP, one hit, one run, one RBI, and one walk on the day. Uh, so tough there that the Mayors aren't able to do anything on offense. Just just frustrating, but it's going to happen. You, know, you can't expect them to have uh, lights out performances every single game. Game two, uh, the Mariners would win this one eight to seven. Once again, JP Crawford. Great game. Three hits, three runs and one RBI, including the go-ahead solo homer in the top of the ninth inning. This one all really back and forth. Uh Luis Castillo started this game. He he gave up, I believe, three homers on the day. Tough one for Luis because otherwise, outside of the two innings that he struggled, he was pretty solid giving the Mariners six innings. Uh, but just just kind of hung some balls that the the Mets were able to hit hard. Um And that was tough. It's tough to see that from your ace, but you know we move on. Um, You got the win, so it doesn't feel as bad. In the series finale, the Mariners would lose this one, three to six. Uh, George Kirby making his first start since that illness, where he missed the start against the Athletics. He got hit hard too. Uh, gave up a couple homers. Just really didn't look like a George Kirby outing. It was a tough one. The Mariners. It was the first time that the Mariners had lost. Um, by three plus run in 40 games, that streak was snapped. The last time that happened was July 19th versus the tw- uh, twins when they lost six to three. Uh, that 40 game streak was the sixth longest in Major League Baseball history and the longest since the 1999 uh, Diamondbacks. Wow. Um, tough one. Yeah, tough one. Uh, they hadn't lost that ser- uh, series since I believe it was mid August, I believe it was against the twins. To see if I can find that here, but yeah, it, it, it snapped that streak, which was unfortunate. Um, our player of the game, pinch hitter, in wait, no, yes, yes. Well, designated hitter, Dominic Kenzone, Kenzone, two hits, one run, and two RBIs. No, Kenzone pinch hit the game before, pardon me. Designated hitter, Dominic Kenzone, two hits, one run, and two RBIs, including a two run homer. Uh, all of the Mariners offense would come between Kenzone and then Mike Ford. Mike Ford uh, hit a home run right after Kenzone to make it back-to-back, but it, the Mariners didn't do anything else outside of that, unfortunately. Our player of the week goes to, kind of not surprised if you heard me say his name a few times, uh, shortstop JP Crawford. JP, over the last seven days, six hits, four runs, four RBIs, four walks, one stolen base, a 333 batting average, a 478 on on-base percentage, uh, a 722 slugging percentage, which is big for JP. Wow. And a 1.200 OPS, JP continues to be incredibly valuable for this Mariners team. And as it's been said, uh, we've said it in our, our, our recaps and our coverage, and it's been said uh, on social media. While Julio has been a big, big, big part of the second half surge for this team, JP Crawford has been that valuable for the Mariners over the entirety uh, of this 2023 season. So you have to uh, put some notice on jp there again i remember when people wanted to either have jp move to short to second base to bring in one of the big name shortstops in free agency uh or they just wanted jp traded flat out which is silly silly stupid ignorant uh insert your word here um other piece of injury related news last night in the game against wait last night no pardon me um in game two of that met series uh Ty France was hit in his back elbow um, by a pitch. He would leave that game. X-rays were negative, which is big, because we know Ty has been hit a few times uh, before. He did have distinct ball marks. I don't have – oh, I have a baseball. One second. We'll get that baseball. Um, I do have baseball. Um, Distinctive C marks on his elbow if if the light – yeah, seam marks. So obviously there would be C marks on his elbow back there. Um, but he is in the lineup for today's game against the Reds as the Mariners continue uh, their road trip, which is good to see. Uh, but just, man, can't really afford to lose any of your key guys right now. Uh, you've got some some depth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just really would not want to lose a contributor like that. So I don't know. It's It's tough this past six games. Uh, you would have really loved to have swept the Athletics one to continue to keep pace and, and build some separation at the top of the AL West. And because of just how poor the Mets have been, I would well, that could be used in a couple terms. Um, so the course of the season, uh, in the Mets series, they've got some talent. I mean, Pete Alonso hit two homers in that uh, third game of the series, Ronnie Mauricio got called up and he made an impact. Um, and the Mariners' offense just kind of relatively struggled outside of that second game of the series. So, and that and that's the thing. Scott Service has talked about this throughout the course of the year: is making, you know, being smarter at the plate. You know, getting the starting pitcher out of the game. That doesn't mean a bunch of homers. It can mean fouling off pitches, uh, running the pitch count up, taking walks, making smarter swing decisions. You didn't really see that in games one and three of this series, uh, which is unfortunate. So we'd like to get back to that. Um, and kind of figure things out because you know you can't really play that kind of baseball that you played in Game One and for most of Game Three of that Mets series. We got to be better. You got to turn that around. So uh, team made some roster moves. You know September call ups are happening. Uh, the roster sizes have expanded. Why one pitcher and the catcher? Sorry, um, hmm. um. Sorry, wanted to get that off. My dad texted me um, on August 31st, the day before the rosters expanded the team added right-handed pitcher, Dominic Leone off of waivers from the angels. If you don't remember, Leone was uh, a part of the Mariners. I believe it was 2014 14 and 15 didn't work out. Um, he was with the angels. Most recently, the Mariners acquired him off of waivers as a corresponding move to make room on the 40 man. The team designated Devin Sweet for assignment. Um, Sweet was picked up off of waivers from the Athletics. Unfortunately, I wanted to talk to Devin, um, but that that's tough. That's tough. So Devin Sweet gets a new opportunity uh, with Oakland uh, and the September call ups. It was originally going to be Adam Aller. Aller was in the clubhouse with the Mariners uh, on their getaway in the post game from their their win on Wednesday against the Athletics. It was going to be on the plane with them, but then they acquired Leon off of waivers. Um, so it was Leon was the pitcher call up and then infielder outfielder Sam Haggerty uh, was recalled from AAA Tacoma. So makes sense. I mean, there's been call to bring up Jake Shiner uh, from the Rainiers. And I mean, he has been hitting well down there with Tacoma, but the opt for Haggerty extremely versatile uh, and they know he's been able to contribute at the big league level. So it makes sense. I understand it. Um, But I know some people might've wanted them to go somewhere else. Uh, Continuing with team related news on September 3rd, uh, two players for the Mariners earned Uh, respective player of the month honors center fielder julio rodriguez a no-brainer was named the al player of the month julio is the first player um, on the mariners to win the award since nelson cruz back in april of 2015 and the youngest since alex rodriguez uh, did so back in august of 1996 julio in the month of august batted 429 with 19 runs 10 doubles seven homers 30 RBIs, 8 walks, 11 stolen bases across the 23 games that he played. Uh, He had 13 multi-hit games and hit safely in 20 of the 23 games that he played in. He led the American League in batting average, hits, doubles, RBIs, stolen bases on base percentage, slugging, total bases, and F4. He had 2.4 F4 in the month of August, which if you at the end of the year, when you look at some of the players across the league, that's more than some players will have over the course of the entire season that they played, which is pretty wild. Um, In addition to Julio winning player of the month, uh, relief pitcher Andres Munoz was named uh, the AL player, no reliever, of the month uh, leading the American league with nine saves in the month of August. He had a one in one record, a 1.93 ERA, seven walks, 20 strikeouts across the 14 appearances that he made during the month. He did not allow a Homer. And he joins Edwin Diaz as the only Mariners, in franchise history to win the award since it became a thing back in 2017 so the Mariners currently sit at a 77 win 59 loss record they are first in the American League West at this current point in time Texas and Houston still very much are right behind them Uh, they start a three-game series in Cincinnati against a young and talented Reds team actually just a little bit before uh, I recall well before this episode goes live, yes. So by the time this episode goes live, that game is most likely done. Excuse me. Um, starting the series, yes, September 4th at the Cincinnati Reds, 1, 10 p.m. start. And then both the 5th and the 6th at the Reds are 3.40 p.m. starts as the Mariners take on a young, talented team. There's a lot of young talent, including some former Mariners, former players from the organization. Uh, Jake Fraley is leading off. Uh, for the Reds today, and Noelvi Marte, uh, who previously made his big league debut just, I believe it was a few weeks ago with the Reds, uh, is starting at third base for Cincinnati. After that Red series, the Mariners will finish out their 10-game road trip on the road against one of the best teams in the American League when they take on the Tampa Bay Rays down in Florida. Uh, both the 7th and the 8th uh, to start out this series against Tampa Bay are at 3.40 p.m., 3.40 p.m., uh, first pitch times september 9th at the race is a 105 p.m first pitch and then september 10th at the race is a 10 10 a.m start uh that's going to be a tough series i mean this one the cincinnati one obviously that mets one was tougher than maybe some thought would be um and then yeah this race series this race series is not going to be an easy one whatsoever uh obviously if you remember uh, the way that the Mariners began their series against the Rays at home uh, earlier in the year well, it was not good. The Mariners got blown out. So I'm uh, going to work on that. We head over here to our storm who, man, it's crazy that the storm season will end this upcoming week. I uh, will have exit interviews the day after uh, the final game of the season. So whew, yeah, that's going to be, I can't believe that. Wow. Um, Any who's it? Uh, Yeah, sorry. Just kind of hard to fathom. Uh, The Storm continued their final road trip of the season. It's a four-game road trip uh, with an August 31st win over the Los Angeles Sparks. Los Angeles, uh, while at this current point as of today they are in a playoff spot this win over the sparks from the storm actually knocked los angeles out of their playoff spot the storm would win this one 72 to 61 i played the game guard jewel lloyd 25 points wasn't the most efficient shooting the basketball but contributed big outside of that seven rebounds seven assists one steal and one block on the day big there uh, for the storm to get that performance they as i mentioned that storm win actually knocked the sparks out of their playoff spot at the time it was a big win for seattle um this one the next game they played not so much uh, september 2nd at the las vegas aces a 77 to 103 loss the storm mostly hang ar- uh, hung around in this game uh through the first three quarters it was in within reach as the fourth quarter began but las vegas was able to go on a torrid run um, and and stomped out any hope for Seattle beating Las Vegas this year would not happen. Uh play the game once again, guard Jewel Lloyd 28 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, and one steal. So as we've kind of gone away with having a player of the week because it's mostly been Jewel Lloyd. It was nice to get that Sparks win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see though how these remaining three games of the season go. Uh, because of how bad Indiana and um is it indiana i want to make sure i get this right because of how bad i know it's at least phoenix how bad phoenix um oh yes um -hmm. let me let me double check this phoenix yeah phoenix indiana have been um it is likely that the storm will end up with the third uh technically worse, but third best lottery odds um, for the top pick in the WNBA draft this upcoming year. It doesn't mean that they're fully out of having the potential of that top pick. It just means that the odds aren't as great. Um, would love to have that top pick. Uh, but essentially, something to watch is the Chicago Sky. We would like for the Chicago Sky to not make the playoffs and the Sparks actually make the playoffs uh, so that the Storm could have those third best odds uh, for that top pick. So something to watch, but uh, you know, I, I talked about it again, at the beginning of the year, heading into the season and then throughout the course of the year, really looking to see some of these younger pale layers develop Jordan Horston, her versatility, um, defensively and offensively uh dulcie Fanka menjadu while mercedes russell is getting more overall minutes dulcie is still a big contributor as a starter uh on the boards for a seattle team that has struggled on the boards for a large part of the last two seasons uh jade melbourne is getting more minutes uh over the course of the past two uh well of the second half really uh since gabby williams and ivana doikich uh both went out in their own respective ways and they're both different ways so those are things i'll watch uh as we finish out the regular season here so uh injury report for those games against the sparks and aces against just Gabby williams everyone else has been good to go the storm at an 11 win 26 loss record 11th in the all of the wnba fifth best in the western conference which isn't i say best but they're second to last in the entire conference um Looking ahead, their first game of this week is September 6th at the Atlanta Dream. That's a 4 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. Nationally, that game will be on NBA TV. If you're here in the state of Washington, though, I will watch it on Amazon Prime Video. Um Next matchup, September 8th at the Dallas Wings, is a 5 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. That game is on ION. Yes, ION. Uh, And then to close out the WNBA regular season, the 2023 season, uh, the Storm will host the potentially playoff-bound L.A. Sparks um, when these two teams meet on September 10th here at home at climate pledge arena with a noon tip off 12 PM Pacific time that is on ESPN three. So it'll be tough. Exit interviews are the very next day. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, Yeah, obviously the biggest headline and before anything else, this off season will be Jewel Lloyd's decision. So move over Uh, to our sounders. Now this could have been a very good week for the sounders. Um, as they they look to go ahead and lock up their playoff spot and hopefully a potentially top seed in all of the Western Conference. Um, And I'd still say it's a positive week for the Sounders but not as positive potentially as they would have liked. We'll get into reason for that now as we go into our Sounders here. Their first game of the past week was August 30th at Austin FC, a 2-1 win for Seattle. Our player of the match, midfielder Nico Ladero, a 7.9 match rating. Um 7.9 match rating, one assist and 79% passing one big chance created and three shots. Seattle got the first goal of this game in the second half, three minutes in at the 48th minute. Jordan Morris had a right footed shot from the right side of the box, uh, assisted by Nico Lodero off of a set piece, which is big because, uh, I know we talked about it recently. I think we talked about it at the end of last year as well. The Sounders have not been good in set piece situations, uh, really for a while. Uh, but they're able to get that there. JMO get back on the scoreboard. Uh, there was some controversy because there was a goal that probably should have been allowed for Austin FC uh, that did not get reviewed. Um, or if it did, they didn't use our right camera angles. I will not speak on that because I'm just happy for the win now. And there's nothing you can do about it now. Um, <laughs> and Austin, it's not like Austin's going anywhere anyway. It's not like it, inf- it impacts their playoff race. Um, But Austin would get their goal in the 72nd minute. Unfortunate here um, off of a corner. Um, Just, yeah, really tough. You think, oh, they're going to split points. But in the 90th minute, Albert Rusnak scores a right foot shot from the center of the box and is able uh, to get the winner here. The Sounders get the three points. They beat Austin on the road. Um, And it was big. I mean, it was big to get that. Again, Austin is just sitting. Well, I lied. Austin is actually... Just outside of the playoff bubble, I lied to you. I apologize. <laughs> um, but we look, we focus, we're a Sounders account here, we're, we're focusing on the Sounders. Um, September 2nd, one of the bigger instances of this rivalry, just considering playoff implications. Uh, Cascadia matchup going into this match, if these teams did draw, it would mean that the Vancouver Whitecaps would win the Cascadia Cup. And you can see what happened on your screen. Uh, a 2 2 draw, our player of the match, forward Raul Rui Diaz. The Peruvian goal machine, one goal, one assist, an 89% passing percentage, one big chance created, and three shots. The Sounders got a goal in the ninth minute from Raul, uh, which was really big there to have that actually came off of a corner, um, which was nice. Jackson Reagan got the assist. Um, as he headed the ball first, and then it found Raul wide open. Uh, And then the Sounders would get a goal in the 30th minute from Leo True, who intercepted a pass in his own half. Uh, It was a really weird one. You should really go and watch the highlights from it. Uh, He sprinted down the field, had a breakaway, scored. He did take his jersey off, which was a yellow card. Now, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. In the 53rd minute, second half, uh, Leo Chu got a second yellow card to a really, really, really soft call. Uh, Chu was actually going to get squished by a Timber's defender, and they called the yellow on him. Didn't make a lot of sense, but it sent uh, him off and left Seattle with only two, uh, only ten men. Not two men. That's impossible. Only ten men. Now, this wasn't really too much of an issue initially, but the big thing was the Timbers were able to score two goals within a three-minute span, and it left the game uh, in a draw. And everybody felt like Nuhu in this photo, our photo of the match by Matthew Bermudez, just kind of holding your head uh, in your hands and figuring what in the world just happened. Now, everybody had... uh, things up in arms whether it was chu made a dumb mistake taking his jersey off um the refs decided this game i disagree with both of those things and it's fine to have your opinion if you're going to attack me in the comments for it just remember you're being dog um anyway uh sure leo chu is going to learn from the mistake that he made by taking his jersey off which is an automatic yellow card sure he was excited i get it I get that that was a mistake. The second yellow card never should have been called. Uh, It was a silly and a soft foul. Um, Soft foul. Um, But to say that the entirety of this result was on Leo Chu is silly. Is silly, and you shouldn't just be looking for someone to blame. Horrible thinking. And to also blame the refs entirely for this decision is silly because if you go and look at the mat the the match and the goals from portland they were both left entirely wide open the players for portland uh on the first one back post uh knew who was the closest player running out to get him he was more central focused in the box which shouldn't have happened but portland player wide open easy second goal evander ha- was coming down the field as portland was getting a counter Left wide open, way too much space. It was a great goal, that second one that they scored. uh, Top right, strong shot and everything. But it was given way too much space, you know. So blame Seattle's defensive lapses. It's a team game. You cannot blame solely Leo Chu for this. That's silly. That's irrational thinking. It's not complete thinking. It is a team game. And you can't blame Leo Chu for leaving those players entirely wide open. So, uh, in injury-related news, midfielder Christian Roldan had extensive tests done in Detroit as he continues to try to get back from a concussion, including sleep tests. Uh, it's unclear whether he'll be back. Schmetzer is hopeful that he can come back uh, this season, but that's not anything sort of clear. In other news, team-related notes: On September 1st, goalkeeper Andrew Thomas was loaned uh, to New Mexico United of the USL Championship League uh thomas had largely been the sounders third goalkeeper so it makes sense that they want to get him uh, some way time some playing time some minutes uh since it's largely the two steps that are going to get the one in the two spot for the sounders and stephen fry and stephen cleveland so the sounders in an 11 win nine loss eight draw record at 41 points currently in the western conference because inter miami did beat lafc Uh, The Sounders sit at second in the Western Conference right now behind St. Louis City. St. Louis City has 47 points at the top. The Sounders have 41 as the second team. LAFC has 40, and so does Real Salt Lake. Now, the interesting thing, the big thing that everyone's talking about with this Western Conference is that the Sounders have played the most matches in the Western Conference at 28. Uh, St. Louis has only played 27. LAFC has played 26. Uh, and we also like us played 27. So well, and Houston can jump over them with three points, as they said, at 39. Um, so, and they've only played 27. So the matches in hand are big. You want to, that's why it was so important for the sounders to get more points and uh, not drop points, whether it be a draw or a win uh, because now it's, it's not really up to you solely what happens the rest of the way In the Western Conference, you don't control your full destiny. You can certainly improve it by winning more, which you didn't do against Portland here. Um, But you're going to need some help if you want one of those higher seats. You're going to ideally need some help. So anyway, uh, and in the league, this is an eighth. Supporter Shield is fully out of the question here. Um, We move over here to Kraken-related news, which isn't something we've had in quite some time. Um, just kind of some depth signings here. The team signed Devin Shore on a one-year, two-way contract at 7, 7, uh, 700, 775000 uh AAV. Shore, a 29-year-old, had nine points, one goal, and eight assists across 47 games for the Oilers during the 2022-23 season. He finished the season with a 50.9% face-off win percentage, going 89 for 175 at the dot. It marked the second best win percentage uh, of his career and ranked sixth on Edmonton's roster. According to Natural Stat Trick, Shore owned the second best on ice goals for percentage at 65% on the Oilers roster in 2022-23, with Edmonton outscoring their opponents 13-7 to during five-on-five play when he was on the ice. Uh, the forward also appeared in five regular season games for the Bakersfield Condors of the AHL. During this past season, totaling five points, two goals, and three assists across those games. So, Shore joins an already log-jammed offensive attack for the Kraken here. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for Seattle. Uh, who's going to end up going down to the uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds at the AHL. In addition to Shore, though, the team made another signing. The team signed defenseman Mitch Reinke, Reinke? on a one-year, two-way contract at 775 uh, A.A.V. 775,000 A.A.V. Reineke, uh 27 years old, totaled 27 points on one goal and 26 assists in 52 regular season games for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins uh, of the AHL affiliate. Of the Pittsburgh Penguins. His 27 points were tied for the second most of his AHL career and set a career high in points per game at 0.52. He finished this 2022 23 season, leading Wilkes Barry Scranton uh defenseman in scoring and ranked third amongst penguin skaters in assists, despite missing those final 12 games of the regular season uh with an injury of the season with an injury. Uh again, these are more than likely just depth signings, uh, guys who will since they're two-way contracts, especially go down to Coachella Valley to help fill out that AHL roster for the Firebirds. Uh, but you never know. I mean, training camp hasn't been played yet. Hasn't, you know, roster hasn't been decided. Uh, and it's good depth. I mean, obviously the the Kraken had to bring up guys from the AHL throughout the course of the season because of injuries and such. You'd like to not have to account for injuries, but that's just not how life works. Um, you got saw different guys get called up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if these guys push anybody, uh, competition breeds excellence. Um, uh, but yeah, largely two depth signings for the crack in here. And again, depth is always important. Depth is big to have across the NHL in any sort of facet across any sports league. So we go over here, uh, to our Ol rain who got back into regular season action and hosted their fan appreciation match and their welcome back match as they really sort of, uh, put a big emphasis on welcoming back their players from the world cup september 3rd versus the orlando pride a one to nothing win this one was really wild um as orlando suffered a red card to their goalkeeper uh, anna morehouse and i believe it was the third minute i'll get this correct here um Let me get this correct. I don't want to give you the wrong information. Uh, So Morehouse, yeah, red card in the third minute. Uh, Bethany Balser hitting down the field. Uh, Morehouse was the last line of defense. I got a red card. The Pride had to put in a new goalkeeper. So it wasn't Morehouse anymore. It would be Carly Nelson. Nelson actually did a pretty solid job in net for uh, the Pride And in the 10th minute, Bethany Balser had to come out of this match. Unfortunately, she took kind of a bump when Morehouse took her out uh, and just couldn't keep going. She did limp to the locker room. Head coach Laura Harvey was not sure um, about her status and what that looks like. So uh, we're still waiting to hear if there's going to be any sort of update on that. Um, But there were pictures of the club heading out to training today. See if we can see Bethany. Mm, no sign of bethany okay so unsure currently uh with it being a challenge cup match i know it is the playoff semi-final upcoming maybe they just say hey we are going to go ahead and just keep you out but anyway uh just fishlock also left this match with some what some people might have thought was an injury but uh laura harvey said she was fine as well uh the rain would get the only goal of the match and it was the one they needed to get these three points um from jordan haitama who came in as a sub for bethany balser haitama scored in the second half when the 49th minute a right should uh, right should right footed shot from the center of the box uh amongst a bunch of chaos carly nelson and the orlando pride uh back line did a great job of holding things down um but um all in all it would be haitama who would put it away after it bounced out to her uh the rain had a good amount of challenges uh, in this match and likely should have had more than one goal and didn't seem that Laura Harvey was happy that they didn't have more than the one goal. Um, But they would come out with the win. The three points is important. That is what um, Harvey did end up talking about in this one. The rain only had two chances, two big chances in this match, two big chances. Um, They committed more fouls than Orlando, which didn't really help. And they had more offsides. So they outshot Orlando in a big way. The rain had 18 shots. The Pride only had four, and seven of those shots were on target. So um, yeah, could have been much better. Could have been much better there. Tough to see that, but they got the win again, which is what was important. We go to our two photos of the match here. First one by Live Lions. As you can see here, Jordan out running to celebrate that goal. Just fish lock pointing, Rose Lavelle running, Megan Rapino celebrating. Um Orlando defender Kylie Strom, kind of like, what in the world just happened? Uh, And then our second photo of the game here by photographer Rio Giancarlo, uh, Haidama celebrating with defenders Phoebe McLaren and Lou Barnes, um, that goal that she scored. So uh, the injury report was clean versus Orlando, which is good to see we've talked about it the last few years with the rain, the sort of struggles to score more. They generate a lot of chances. They don't necessarily bury them all. Um, and it's something you'd like to get figured out, especially as uh, the rain look to secure a playoff spot. And like I talk about with the, the, the sounders and figuring things out the table in the NWSL isn't really clear either. So the San Diego Wave waves at the top right now with 30 points, The Portland Thorns are in second with 29 points. Uh, North Carolina, the Courage are at 28 in third. The Rains sit at fourth with 27 points. They're just above Gotham, who have also 27. And then the last playoff spot, the sixth overall seed, uh, is the Washington Spirit, who have 26. So your entirety of the playoffs is separated by four points. Four points, which is... is, Yeah. Yeah. there are a couple of play uh, teams that are looking in angel city and racing Louisville. Both are looking in with 24 points of their own. Uh, so things e, 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 mm. and everybody is at 18 matches played. So you don't have to worry about like what the sounders do uh, games in hand. So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy uh, for the rain to close this thing out. You're going to need the th- to get the three points. Uh, and they did so today. So the rain have after their next match, which is a challenge cut match, and they could have another one potentially, depending on if they win that one. But they've got four matches left in the regular season. Three of them are against teams that are currently in playoff spots. They've got Portland on the 16th in Portland. They've got North Carolina on the first of October. And then they've got the Spirit uh, on, on the 6th of October. Those two matches, the first and the sixth, against North Carolina, North, North Carolina and Washington are both at home which should ideally help you, but we'll see. And then the final match of the regular season is on the road against Chicago and Chicago is out of the playoff spot out of the playoff chase. They're a second worst in the league uh, points wise. So it's in your hands. It is arguably in your hands to see where you're going to uh, to land in terms of seating. Um, you're largely healthy. We're going to wait to hear about Bethany Balser. Hoping that is okay. Okay. Uh, that she doesn't have a serious injury, um but it's largely in your hands, unlike with the Sounders. So ideally, you will figure things out. But easier said than done. You got the three points this week. We move on. We go on. So the Rain record now sits at eight wins, seven losses, and three draws on the year. They are fourth in the league table, as I mentioned, with twenty-seven points. Their next match is a Challenge Cup match. It's the national, national, the NWSL Challenge Cup semifinal. It will be played on CBS Sports September 6th here at Lumen Field versus Racing Louisville at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Head coach Laura Harvey said that of the players who played 90 minutes in the win over Orlando, do not expect them to play 90 minutes against uh, Racing Louisville, which makes a ton of sense. You don't want to gas these players out, Uh, and you've got depth. Laura Harvey has talked all year about the depth that this club has, and I would heavily expect them to take advantage of that uh, when these two teams meet on Wednesday. So uh, this is a perfect segue over here to our star of the week. I know we didn't have one last week. I apologize. I was very tired. Uh, I went with Jordan Heidema of our reign on this photo here by Rio Giancarlo, um, you know, to step in and uh, be a sub much earlier than she likely anticipated uh, in the 10th minute uh, to have Jordan Heidema come in and be able to contribute and score the lone goal. Obviously, if you are go-to if you go back and look at the highlights of this match and see the goal that she scored it's kind of like, hey, you kind of had to bury that. Um, but that's not always a certainty. So, for her to go and take care of business and be a factor in this one is big, you know, and she's still after coming over to the Rain this past year, uh Harvey talked about consistency. Um, is still looking, you know, to be Consistent up top and be that scoring threat, uh, but you could argue a lot of the tech is still trying to find that sort of steady ground and be able to bury goals at a consistent rate. But for the the goal that she had and the implication that it had in the win to get those three points as a rain chase one of their top spots. Jordan Heidema is my pick. Um, And it's great to have that sort of depth. You can go, oh, we've got Jordan Heidema on the bench, on the bench of all places. And you still got, you know, your forward group of Bethany, Megan, Heidema, Ziara King, Elise Bennett, Veronica Latsko. Like, that is an incredibly, incredibly deep forward group. So, anyway, that'll wrap us up as we are here in the month of September. I'm going to thank you for sticking with us. We will be back in studio next week. as we get over here, it'll be interesting because Monday is also uh exit interviews day. So we will work on that uh, and getting that all sorted out. So until we see you next week on September, September 11th, if I'm doing the days, right. It is. Until we see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Be well. I love you. Uh, you know, you are always valued. Um, hope that our, our, our Seattle teams keep things up, but, Remember, it is important to look out for others. Uh, It is important to have fun with these sports teams. I know that a lot of the times we look at the losses, and it's really tough, but these are players too. They do hear your comments. They do see your comments. Uh, Until we see you next week, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day.